There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Chuck. And uh, today, Chuck, we've got ourselves, uh, we're going to do um, a bunch of trips to the trailer park. We've got some other news, and then we're going to have a very, very serious discussion about DC Comics. Uh, and we'll spoil that later. Uh, but let's go to the trailer park. We haven't done this in, in quite some time. I don't think there's been any trailers that we're no. worth talking about for, for a few weeks now. But we've got three uh, two of which are animated, one of which is puppet related, and we'll start with the puppets, and we're going to go to Disney Plus, and that's the Muppets Now. Now, we talked about this before. They're doing a live action, puppet based, with it's kind of like the old Muppet show back in the day where uh, celebrity guests would show up, but it's uh, unscripted. So we get the trailer for it, and it's pretty much Kermit and the guy from, uh, yeah, Joe from Legal, who's a squirrel or a groundhog, and, um, they showed a trailer. I caught a few people. I know RuPaul's going to be in it. Uh, my girl Aubrey Plaza. So I was 100% hooked on that. Uh, what did you think about it when you saw the trailer? I know you're a big Muppet head. It looked cool. I mean, you know, it, they're going to be very short episodes. Like, you know, I think, what, five, ten-minute episodes. Um, it's not going to be a 30-minute. The unscripted thing is kind of weird. To have an unscripted Muppet show or puppet in general. Um yeah. That's kind of weird, but it looked cool. Like I said, I saw Aubrey Plaza, I saw RuPaul, I saw, I think it was Tay Diggs. Um, yeah, of course Tay Diggs in it with the, his awesome hats. He always has those great he, hats. He has some sweet-ass hats. Uh, he does. The biggest thing that I want to see or hear, it's the first time since 19, what, 96, that um, Steve Whitmire is not portraying Kermit the Frog. Yeah, Steve, you know... There's only been two really prominent Kermit the Frogs, Jim Henson and Steve Whitmire. And Steve Whitmire took over for Kermit the Frog in um, the late 90s when he passed away. And the first thing he ever did was the uh, Muppets Christmas and has been since then. But then he was like, oh, what, last year? So Mm -hmm. there's nothing... um, Matt Vogel is taking over. Matt Vogel has been with the Muppets for a while. And... uh, his biggest contributor um, was uh, he's uh, Floyd Pepper. Okay. And um, he's been doing that for years. But um, I heard it. It sounds like Kermit. You know, it's, it doesn't sound real different from uh, Henson or Whitmire. But um, I'm kind of curious to how that goes. But it looks pretty cool. Uh, it's probably going to be a weekly thing. Like I said, 10 minutes. So I'll yeah. definitely check it out. Yeah, I'll watch it too. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're in, a, in an age where we're uh, past the Muppets. I don't think that that's a big uh, draw anymore, unfortunately. I know you and I are big nostalgia guys, and uh, the Muppets was a big important part of our childhood, whether it was the, the show, the movies, uh, Muppet Babies, whatever you may have it. But uh, I don't think today's generation really sit, resonates with the Muppets, unfortunately, because I think they're great. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I agree. I mean, Muppet Babies are... Back. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, they have a, they actually have a live action Muppet Babies, which is its puppets, and then they also have a um, animated Muppet Babies. Obviously, it's not the same, but um, I mean, it is out there. I yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, um, even though it's sad to me because I love the Muppets, I don't see them a big market. 
I mean, look what Disney Plus. When Disney Plus, even before it came out, they said they had a Muppet show and canceled it even before Disney Plus came out. Yep. And then the ABC show got canceled. You know, they some stuff has gone to Apple TV. Fraggle Rock's on Apple TV now. Like, there's a have bunch, you like, have you watched that still, the Fraggle Rock? No, it's, no, because it's, it's not, not good. It's not Disney. I don't want to watch something that's not a Disney Muppet production. Yeah, kind of pampered that way. It's it's really weird. The um, the Fraggle Rock is called Fraggle Rock Rock On, and it's it's basically musicians. So it'll be the Fraggles. And then they have a, they call it a doozer tower. It's basically a microphone. And it pops up at like Jason Mraz's farm, Common, and uh, Common's studio. And it's like Common's in Atlantis more set. Uh, I want nothing to do with this. And it's it's super weird. Um, I, I didn't really like it. You know, they're like five, six minute episodes and there's like four of them, five of them. So I watched it in like a half hour. Yeah. But. But yeah, I, I do agree. Um, I wish, you know, Muppets could be prominent again. I just don't see it happening. Not me either. Uh, but moving on, what I think is going to be prominent, and I think this is going to be this one out of the three that were uh, three trailers that we're talking about today. This is the one that had me the most excited, and that's Deathstroke, uh, Knights and Dragons, and that comes out on um, digital on uh, August fourth. So it's coming up soon, a couple weeks. Um, this is based off a TV series that was on CWC that was uh, came out in January, and then they added, I think, 50 more minutes of content to make it a full live-action, adult-rated, I think it's rated R movie. Uh, what do you think of the Deathstroke Knights and Dragons uh, movie trailer? It looks cool. I mean, uh, yeah. it looks violent. Michael Chiklis' Deathstroke, I would never pick it. Yeah, me either. I it it doesn't even sound like him when he's talking. No, which it is doesn't. great. I guess that's the the great talents of being a voice actor. Um, yeah, because I you know I knew about the CW Seed stuff. I didn't watch it, so I watched the trailer. And I was like, who is that? So I looked it up, and it was Michael Chiklis. So I was like, wow, that's you know, not at all. I would one, I would never pick Michael Chiklis. Two, I would never think it was Michael Chiklis. But he sounded good. He does have that gritty voice, and you know, he kind of did it with uh, Thing. In Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. but uh, he sounded really good. The animation looks great. It looks like an origin story. Um, looks violent, and yeah, it, it does look violent. And they're looking for Slade's son. Yeah, which, which is great. So there's a, a vendetta. It's like ransom with uh, Destro. Uh, what's his name? Uh, no, who, who, Mel Gibson. Yeah, give me back my son. Like I hope that there's a line like that in there. Um, but it, it looks great. The animation looks like the animation that we love from the um, DC animated stuff. So um, I'm on board. Yeah, it's any Deathstroke story is great for me. Um, I think that's a character that should be in the forefront of of Marvel. I think, or of, of Jesus of DC. I think that he's got a story. He's got the abilities. He's he's unkillable for for uh, most part and. You know, I guess he hasn't popped because his counterpart is Deadpool, and Deadpool's that unfiltered, fourth wall breaking, uh, kind of aloof character. Where Deathstroke's more serious, more militant. Uh, I'm a fan of this. It's on the same vein as Constantine City and Demons, where that started over in the seed, and then went on to make a, a great movie, a violent, super hardcore movie. So Deathstroke Knights and Demons, um, plus like the narration where he's like, "I'm an old, I'm like a knight in all your stories, and I don't want the dragons to get you." I thought that that was was pretty neat. That they're like kind of maybe making it kind of a, I don't know, like a, a mytho- mythological 
storyline, but set in present day. I thought that that was cool. Uh, the last one is uh, the first movie to kind of re- restart the DC animated universe, and that's Superman Man of Tomorrow, which comes out on uh, August 23rd on digital, and it's a totally reimagination. The uh, brand new Superman, it, it looks like. It's not our Superman that had Krypton, uh, kryptonite all over his body and into his veins from Apocalypse War. Uh, new Lois Lane, Alexander Daddario is playing her, you got Martian Manhunter, who deserves to be in the forefront of uh, these new universes. Uh, what do you think about uh, Man of Tomorrow? Um, looked okay. Uh, you know, like you said, it's a definitely reboot, and they really did one. I think it's a totally different animation style. Um, mm-hmm. It the the outlines of the characters and the major things were like a dark, heavy outline, and kind of almost reminded me of like Archer. Okay. Because it had that, you know, those thick kind of popping outlines of the characters. Um, not not as prominent as Archer, but it kind of reminded me of that animation style. Because it it's a lot different than the animation style from what we just talked about with Deathstroke. The Deathstroke. Um, uh, Knights and Demons. Or Knights, Knights and Dragons. And, Knights and Dragons. So, uh, and, you know, it's a whole new cast. Because, like, you know, for the longest time pepper in a couple one but it's been jerry o'connell's superman and now we have darren chris which i didn't i've heard of him i didn't he apparently he's from glee um and then you know lately we've been having rain wilson which i never thought would be a great lex luther but he is yeah Um, and this time we have lois lane i mean not lois i'm what am i saying zachary quinto um yeah as and he sounded good everyone sounded good and I was surprised that uh, Ryan Hurst is Lobo. Yeah, I'm glad Lobo's in it. I'm glad they went with that Lobo. It could have been yeah. Edward Cullen logo. It, it, it could have been really, really bad. But they when he when the main man rolls up, I was like, okay, now now we're getting somewhere. And I then that, that was a great addition to it. Yeah, and then your boy, we didn't hear him. We saw him. Uh, Parasite is played by your boy Brett Dalton. Yeah. Uh, Parasite is on the the cover of the DVD, uh, the Blu-ray that they show at the end of the trailer. Yeah. Um, it kind of looked like you remember the character the Max. Yeah, big. Yeah, it looks like the Max, uh, and I was like, whoa, this is it, it's very close uh, similarities to it. He's just a little skinnier and taller, but the when I think of Parasite, I think of he's like this big, massive, uh, kind of like a slug with like a leech with legs and arms. Uh, and this one's kind of sleek. Same thing with Superman. I think the animation, the guy who's doing the animation, is the guy who used to do the animation at Marvel. Well, he, this guy's his first director debut. Yeah, I'm talking animation. Yeah. So uh, I, I know that the guy from Marvel came over to DC. So I think that this is the, this is that start, or it may have already continued. But, but I do know. Um, the comics, you know, there's an early 90s comic run called Man of Tomorrow. There's a black label Man of Tomorrow uh, storyline going on now. Uh, I think Brian Michael Bendis is writing it, and uh, it's really good. I, I think that, you know, it's uh, it kind of can set you up for many storylines with Superman. It could go uh, injustice is what I'm thinking because it's the Man of Tomorrow, and you're seeing how pure he is, and maybe he snaps at the end. Uh, you got Martian Manhunter. Maybe they're reforming the Justice League. But if they're recasting everybody, I'm wondering who they're going to cast as Batman because there's been a, a few different versions of Batman. be cool if they just brought Kevin Conroy in to do everything, but the jury's still out on that. But uh, out of all of these, I think the most excited I am is for Deathstroke, Knights, and Dragons. 
Yeah, if I if I have to uh, put them in order, it would probably be Deathstroke, Muppets, Man of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. So I I flip flopped the last two. Muppets is my least excited because it's short. It's only like you know it's ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes. So um, I'll, I'll watch it, but it's gonna come after. Well, it's gonna be before all these, so I'll end up watching the whole season probably before this stuff comes out. But I'm excited for all three. They're Three properties and IPs that I enjoy, and we'll see what happens. Uh, let's go to some news. Uh, let's start with some Marvel news. Uh, many moons ago, when Black Panther was being discussed, this man's name came up, and he was offered the role as uh, T'Chaka, the father of Black Panther, but then was told that it was too small for him. It was a much smaller role for him, and that's Ernie Hudson, everybody's favorite Ghostbuster. Um, he's back in talks with Black Panther and Marvel to play somebody in Marvel too. Now, knowing that you're a big Winston Zeddemore fan, uh, I knew you were excited when this came out. My question for you is, in the scheme of things, who does Ernie Hudson play in Black Panther 2? See, that that is very troubling because at first, I would think not a big role. Yeah. But if they're telling me that T'Chaka wasn't a big enough role for him, then who the heck is he going to play? Yeah. So, my first thought is maybe like an elder. Okay, um, that's that's kind of what I thought too. I I was actually kind of thinking Mbuku's dad. Okay, is he gonna? We don't know if he. Well, he would have to be dead, right? If Mbaku is the the king of the Jabari, he would have to be dead or exiled. Maybe he's an yeah. exiled. Okay, um, I like where you're going with that. He, I mean, he's big. He's huge now, like muscular wise. So. He definitely could be Winston Duke's dad. But I, I can't think because, like I said, like at first I'm like, okay, it can't be a big role because, you know, he, he's an older guy. He's not going to be – I don't see him playing a huge villain. Um, one, I've never really seen him as a villain. You know, I know, of course, Ghostbusters. I know him from Oz. I know he played King Triton on Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. But – I just don't. He's in a Car Shield commercial that comes on the CW out here and there. I just don't see him as this huge character. Um, Okay. But then you know, with the reports of them saying or him saying that the the role was, they said it was too small for him. That you know that got me thinking, like who the heck can he play? Because I, I don't know a lot of Black Panther villains or characters. Um, I just don't see. To me, he's. A little old, obviously, yeah. to play someone prominent. So I, I was thinking like an elder or like I said, Mbuku's dad. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, it would be cool. I mean, I remember we saw him at uh, Monster Mania, and I wanted to meet him, and then something happened. I think he like sold out or something. Now his line was like three hours long. I remember that. His, he had the biggest draw. It was him and. Uh... Who was I trying to meet that year? Was it uh, Beth. Emily Kinney? Yeah. Yeah, Emily Kinney. And her line, she, that was ridiculous. She went on lunch, and I was like, the hell with this. We're not doing that. But, yeah, his line was uber long, and uh, he's enormous. Like, his, his arms are tree trunks. Yeah, he like, got big. All, yeah, and I think it, it was one of those things where he knew that superheroes are coming back. If you're big enough and you look the part, you can get casted. Uh, but we've seen that, you know, Terry Crews has been cast, and he's been a superhero his whole life. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think I, I kind of disagree with you in a, in, a, in a point where I don't think that he can, uh, where you don't think he can play the villain. Uh, I actually casted him as a villain and 
it, there's a track record for Marvel movies, and it shows that the second villain in the movie isn't the biggest villain and isn't the most known villain. So if you go back, you see Iron Man Whiplash, right, with Mickey Rourke, who's probably about the same age as uh, Ernie Hudson. Then you have Ghost and Ant-Man and Ego and Guardians of the Galaxy. And even though Bucky is a focal character in the Captain America lore, he's not Cap's biggest villain, right? They're always usually introduced in the beginning. And unfortunately, where Black Panther went wrong is they introduced both his number one villains. They introduced Killmonger and then they introduced Claw. And you have those two battling and they're both dead. So you really can't go anywhere after that. So what I think he's going to do, and this character is, it's a little obscure, but he he had his ties to uh, the storyline I think they're going to go with. His name is The Advisor. Um, he's most known for being a cable villain. But the advisor was a obviously an advisor to an African president. And if you go with where we're at now, who's going to be most mad at T'Challa and Wakanda? Africa. Because they opened up after the snap to do this outreach stuff. And Africa's been struggling, you know, their whole forever. And if you have this master country that's out there with vibranium and resources and all this money and it's like the richest country in the world they didn't even help their own people so i could see advisor being the villain who overthrows the president of this country of this uh small country on the continent of africa and then follows after kill or could have worked with killmonger and could have advised killmonger's kill team and say, you know what, my operative, my best operative is down. It's time to take matters into my own hands. And then he unleashes hell against uh, Wakanda. So I think that Advisor would be great. And then there's a character named Stoneface that could be cool. But I'm going to go with the Advisor. If, he, if he's going to play anybody, I want him to play a villain because it goes back to what you said. We don't really know Ernie as a villain. And I'd like to see him uh, kind of chomp down and be bad. I don't want him to see, I don't want to see Winston Zeddemore just playing it, you know, a sorcerer that they go to for the heart-shaped herb or like an elder because I honestly think that's a waste of his, his abilities. I think Ernie Hudson's a great great actor, and uh, we haven't seen him in a while. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Advisor for sure. And I was thinking while you were talking about that, he wouldn't fit in – I don't think he fits in Black Panther at all. He could play an older bishop. Yeah, he, he could. Um, but I don't know if they're going to go that old with the X-Men. Yeah, that's kind of like, old. If this was Fox, then yeah, he'd be Bishop. Because he, he's got to be, what, mid-60s, right? Yeah, I would think so. Mid, early to mid-60s. Uh, but, you know, Forrest Whitaker was in it. They have they have a good cast yeah. of actors. They they utilized a lot of actors who could have played bigger roles. Um, Sterling K. Brown could have played a huge role in the lore of Black Panther as a main character. But, you know, he was, he was needed for uh, his role. Um, speaking of Black Panther, it's not on our show notes because it just happened today. I, I read that um, Janelle Monet met with Ryan Coogler uh, about being in Black Panther too, and she wants to play Storm. Uh, where do you stand with that? Are you a, a big Janelle Monet fan? Not really. Um, okay. But I would take her over the reported Beyonce any day. The uh, the Jim reported Beyonce from Galaxy Wars, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm getting quoted, getting quoted on this podcast. Um, I think Janelle Monet is is a pretty solid actress. Um, she played a bit role in that Welcome to Marwin movie, uh, but that's not the good frame of reference. She has that Homecoming series on, I think it's called Homecoming, on, uh, no, maybe yeah. it's not Homecoming. She's, no, you're right. Series? It's Homecoming on Amazon. It's season two of Homecoming. But she's the, yeah, and she's the lead of this season. Yeah. Uh, so 
I think that, you know, and she's been nominated for a ton of awards that she's been uh, featured in. So uh, it makes sense. Um, I know Tom's a big um, Yatidi Bedecki fan from uh, American Gods. Okay. And she wants to, she wants to play Storm. Um, if you're going to go all three of them, I think Beyonce brings the most fans. And if it's a fan play and they want to make more money and more numbers, then that's the role. Uh, but I wouldn't be mad at the other two, for sure. Um, they need to cast Storm if they're going to continue this Black Panther lore because, I mean, he's his, she's his wife. So I'd be curious to see where they go. Yeah, um, at, we've got at, good. out of the three, Monet would be my pick because yeah, I've seen a couple movies too. and she and she's good and um, she was in uh, the Hidden Figures movie. Yeah, and she was really good in that. So uh, she's a good actress. Um, wouldn't have been my pick, but out of the three, I think she's the best. And she's young, so she yeah. can kind of carry that uh, that character for for a few years. Um, let's go one more Marvel Marvel rumor. Then we got some Ninja Turtles talk, and then we got um, some DC talk. Uh, Doctor Doom, we've kind of talked about this before, but it seems that Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be the lead-in to Doctor Doom, um, a la a character named Lucia Von Bardas, who debuted in 2004, and at one point in time took over for Doctor Doom when he was uh, exiled at, uh, from Latveria. I think that this is smart because you don't have to initially introduce Doctor Doom, but you can. You have to introduce the country, uh, and it, I would like this to be the introduction, like we saw with uh, Martin Freeman's character as the uh, in in what Civil War and in Black Panther. I'd like to see that she's a diplomat for Latveria. She comes in, uh, she intervenes on Bucky and Sam being in uh, wherever they're at. Uh, what do you think about this being the ground, potentially being the groundwork for um, Lucia, uh, Doctor Doom? I think that's is one of the best ways to do it because Doctor Doom is a huge character. Um, could be set up, he could be the big bad in in you know the universe itself. So that's something you don't want to just throw him in there. Boom, there he is. Um, the lore of Lavaria is a um, is huge and. You know, the best way to do it, kind of like you were saying with Martin Freeman and Wakanda and stuff like that, you, you sprinkle it in. She was the prime minister of Laveria at one point. So, like you said, like a diplomat, bring her in that way. Because you just don't want to throw all your eggs in one basket and throw Doctor Doom in the middle of, you know, Fantastic Four or whatever that you want to throw him in. Um, you I think build towards him. You, you got to build, build towards him. And then, you know, because then you're like, oh, Laveria. Like, well. What does that have to do with anything? So, um, if if you slowly like okay, introduce this country, introduce this diplomat, um, you know, slowly talk about you know a uh, a leader or whoever, you know, slightly talk about Doctor Doom and then introduce him down the line, because I think you know Doctor Doom could be your big bad for a while. Yeah, and um, you know what better way to introduce him slowly than I just don't agree with just throwing him in there, kind of like a la like Steppenwolf. Yeah. What they did in DC, they just threw him in there, you know. Slowly introduce Laveria and um, have Doctor Doom tie in, and you know, have her have this character because eventually, if you know, you introduce Doctor Doom and later down the line, she could become Doctor Doom. Yeah, I, I think that Marvel's got it right in the sense of building their their big bad because we saw like 
Thanos being peppered in through multiple films and multiple years. It took us almost all the current MCU to get to uh, Infinity, Infinity War and where we finally got to see Thanos doing what Thanos yeah. does best. I think if you just introduce her as like what Claw was and what Martin Freeman was and they say the word Laveria, you move on and that's it. And that sticks with us and other fans will be like, I don't understand that. And they could go back to, you know, the archives and go back to Wikipedia and find out what that is. But it seems like a lot of news is coming out of Winter Soldier and Falcon that the sense that they're going to introduce a lot of the launching off points for Fantastic Four and, and for X-Men because they're going to go. Uh, and it's, this has been confirmed that they're going to go to Madripoor, uh, where Wolverine used to take up uh, shop and they're going to introduce a, a potential villain, a minor villain of Wolverine called Ogun who uh, was featured in the Death of Wolverine comics. And that's your first introduction into the mutants, and that's your first introduction to Fantastic Four. So the first show coming out of the gates for Marvel being Falcon and Winter Soldier, they're going they're going big with Easter eggs. And I think that that's the smart choice because uh, now's the, the time to show that the TV does replicate the the movies and does connect to the movies. So I think that that's a, that's a smart play. Yeah, yeah. Um... Because, you know, the next thing, because right now Marvel has nothing. We got it. We got in um, Eternals. We have Shang-Chi. But people are salivating for X-Men and Fantastic Four. They've been dying for it. So what better way to pepper stuff in to get you excited for it? Yeah. And the Falcon Winter Soldier is the first property that's coming out that actually starts Phase 5. Uh, well, it's connected to Phase 5. Black Widow... Uh, is kind of a connection point in phase four uh, or phase three. Uh, I'm talking about phase five already. Uh, it's kind of a connecting point in phase three where Infinity, Civil, all these wars that were happening, and then they get to Endgame. So there's uh, there's time, but I'm looking forward to, to more news coming out from uh, Marvel because I know Falcon and Winter Soldier is able to return to Prague in a few weeks to finish up shooting there, and that's a big Zemo storyline that they're going to do there. So that could be great. Could introduce... Uh, Lucia Von Bardis right there as an um, an ally of uh, Zemo, which could be great. All right, let's go to some some weird news that uh, who the hell would have thought that this was going to happen? CBS All Access is uh, rumored to be making a live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show, uh, which to me makes absolutely no sense. Um, I don't think anybody was asking for a live action Ninja Turtle show no. after what we saw in what 2015 with uh, Stephen Amell, 2017. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of understand why they're doing it. It makes no sense, but they don't really have a lot of kick programming on CBS All Access. They, I, I looked, they have some cartoons. They have Mr. Magoo, George yeah, of the Jo Every kid's fa every kid's favorite. Well, they have a lot of older properties that they reimagined. So they have George of the Jungle. They have Mr. Magoo. They have Lassie, the animated series. Um, they have a Bob the Builder, and they have the Legend of Korra. So they don't really have anything original. And they don't really have anything that I think a kid would want because, you know, a kid's not going to want Mr. Magoo. A kid's not going to want George of the Jungle. Um, Ninja Turtles are still popular with the kids from mm -hmm. Nickelodeon. Um, so in that way, it makes sense. To have a live action, that's kind of weird. Um I would think maybe it's more of live action a la the original movies with actual people in costumes. 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Because to me, that's more of a a TV budget to have fully CGI characters in every episode. That that's going to be pricey. Um, but this is a premium streaming service. You have to pay for this. It's pay to play with the uh, with CBS All Access. So this isn't just going to be on Channel Three. But to me, that's still pretty expensive because name one. Sir, and I'm talking about Game of Thrones. I'm talking about anything on Netflix where your entire cast is CG. It doesn't happen. You know, you might have it like uh, Umbrella Academy, Mr. Pogo. He was a yeah. CG character. He looked great, but it was one character. Um, you know, in Game of Thrones, you had dragons, but they weren't yeah. in prominently. You have these characters that are supposed to, that are, if it's a half hour show, probably 75% of the show is going to be a CGI character. So. To me, that's a little pricey. Um, I don't know if you remember the awful 1997 live-action show. Yeah. From Fox, and it was called Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation, and it was scary. Like I, yeah, I, I was a little older when that came out. I was 15, but I did watch it. Um, I watched a couple episodes, and they, I mean, the only thing they did, and they never had it again. They introduced the first female Ninja Turtle in Venus, and yeah. What a mess um, that was. But the like Ninja Turtle one, Ninja Turtle Return of the Ooze, amazing. Why? Because they used Jim Henson, Creature Shop. When they did Ninja Turtle Three and Ninja Turtle The Next Mutation, they did not. And they look scary. So yeah. it it's kinda weird that they're doing this. It makes sense that they want more um kid friendly stuff. I just don't know if this is the property to do it. But I, yeah, I don't I, think a live action turtle show should be kid friendly. I think it should be PG thirteen. No, I don't. I don't consider PG thirteen kid friendly. No. So I don't know how they're gonna go. It's kind of weird. Uh, I was surprised by it. But yeah. um, if done right, it can be great. I don't see it being done right. Yeah, I mean, and in the lieu of this news, uh, we get more turtle news because, yeah. uh, you know, you want live action and then, boom, animated's coming out. Uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldman, and Gray Point, the same animated team that gave us Sausage Party, is now developing a CG reboot TMT animated ser- uh, animated movie. Uh, well, no, I guess not animated, CG. Uh, that's going to go into peer- uh, theaters with Paramount. What do you think about that news? Because now we're getting a live action. It, this is just confusing altogether. Well, and then I think we still have that live, like, from what I'm getting, this is a CG animated. Yeah. We're also supposed to get a reboot live action movie. I think that's just going to be the series at this point. Um, I think the studio cut their losses and said, let's just take it to TV. So... I'm I'm on board with this to an extent because Seth Rogen is a great writer. He produces great stuff. He's a nerd. And and that's the biggest thing that you got to highlight is he's a nerd. This will be his fourth comic book adaptation. He wrote and produced and starred in Green Hornet. Yep. Then he did he produced and wrote Preacher and produced and wrote The Boys. All of those are not kid friendly, especially no. the the latter two. I would love for this to be a straight adaptation from the original comics of where they're all black and white and red. Yeah, they had and and more it was it was violent. You know, the original comic from um what was it? Westman uh oh, Peter Kevin e- I'm sorry, Peter Eastman and uh Kevin, Kevin Laird. Eastman. 
Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. I'm sorry, I mixed them up. Um, they the original comic was not kid friendly at all, and then what was it? CBS bought it and produced a CBS uh, animated series, which everyone knows and loves. But the the original comic was very dark. Um, there was no, you know, it was Michelangelo Leonardo, but they all were red, like you said. Uh, it was black and white and violent. So I would love to see that route because Seth Rogen does nerd, but he does violent well. Yeah. And, you know, we see that with um, Preacher and the boys. And I don't think they would do that way because I'm pretty sure it's produced by Nickelodeon. So I don't, yeah. I see it being very kid friendly. Um, and this is probably the most king friendly production that Seth Rogen has ever done. I mean, hell, look, he did the boys or good boys. And just because they were sixth grade boys, that was very vulgar. Yeah. And, uh, same thing with sausage party. I mean, that thing was vulgar as shit, but I, it's cool that they're doing it. I just, I wish it would be a little more adult because it's coming from yeah. Seth Rogen. I don't think we're going to get it at all uh, as far as an adult themed, And I don't think we'll ever get the the white, black, and red characters because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has always been, since right after the, the comics, has always been a toy grab. Um, the They created Rat King and they created uh, Leatherhead and all these characters for, for sole purposes of kids buying their toys. Uh, if you go back to the old school red, white, and black characters, uh, all you need to do is buy one. At this point, uh, nobody's going to say, well, I want a Leonardo with the swords. You know, you buy one and you they're all they all look the same, just mi- missing, you know, their 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 weapons. So as far as that, I think Nickelodeon won't allow that to happen. It would be awesome to see maybe like an animated movie like uh, of that with Kevin Eastman just doing that on his own. But we'll see. I mean, Seth Rogen has to get to a point where if he's going to be rebooting these these uh, comic series and these uh, treasured childhood gems, he has to, you know, has to tone it down a little bit. Not everything can be uh, the boys and, you know, and preacher. And this is his first test and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I like what he does. He also did future man, which was kind of an underrated series on uh, Hulu. So we'll see. Uh, I'm a big turtle fan. Uh, I'll watch both of these to be honest with you, uh, just because of how much I like the turtles. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. The um, we'll see if any of this takes off. I mean, you you already talked about a movie that was announced in 2018 that has had no legs since 2018. We still talk about the Noah Centino uh, He-Man movie and the He-Man movie before that and even before that. So unless they have a director and the and a trailer, I'm not going to trust it until it comes out. So we'll see. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, and uh, it's a heavy one because we're going to do a DC episode again. Um, that I think that. We have been doing DC a disservice. We talk about how bad they are in the movies, and I think it's just because it's second nature. Uh, we look at the movies and we say Justice League, and we see how bad that was, and we see Martha, and we hear Martha, and we hear her in our dreams, and we hear reboot after reboot after reboot. But are we truly giving DC a fair share? Um, let's talk movies for a second. Um, since 2008, where the the birth of the MCU, Marvel's put out 22 movies, right? Multiple yeah. billion dollar movies, the highest grossing movie in all time with uh, Avengers Endgame at $2.7 billion. Uh, in that time, DC Comics, under their banner, has released 17 movies, and the the money doesn't stack up to Marvel. And I didn't even include the X-Men movies. Uh, the X-Men movies probably stack up more similar to the 
the DC movies that are coming out. And that's including Red and Red 2 and Lego Batman and uh, Jonah Hex and the Losers and stuff like that. But I look at it from this perspective. If you put movies aside, I think DC is beating Marvel yep. in the the, uh, the product game. And TV might be, be, might be a jostle, but uh, we'll get to that. What do you think about DC? Where are we giving them a fair shake? Well, the problem is, is movies are a big part of entertainment. Um, yeah, because it's more accessible. Because a lot of people aren't going to read comics, a lot of people aren't going to watch the animated movies, and not everyone watch watch TV show. So majority of people are going to watch movies because. We're at a culture now where movies are at our fingertips. We can watch movies on Netflix. We can watch HBO Max. Um, anywhere you stream, you know, in theaters, stuff like that. If you break down the four, what I kind of call like maybe the four horsemen of comic entertainment. You have animated, movies, comics, and TV. Out of the four, I think DC is actually ahead in three of those categories. I agree. Um, I think they only lose in the movies. but. Yeah. Like you said, the movies are what makes keeps the studios open. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrow is not bringing billions of dollars to to Warner Brothers, but Aquaman did, and The Dark Knight did, and um, The Dark Knight Rises. There are three billion dollar movies that DC has had in the last twelve years. You know what I mean? So they and they're barely making a billion dollars, which I mean that's, that's a billion in, in its own right, but. When it comes to it, the movies are king, and unfortunately, DC's struggling, and they announced that they're going to do more, right? So they're doing a possible Zatanna movie yeah. uh, with whoever the hell they want to cast. There's 90,000 names in line for it, uh, which you know it doesn't connect to anything that we're talking about now. They're doing uh, potentially a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. They have five Batman in talks to play batman within 2020 to 2021 with pattinson's the batman then you have ben affleck uh potentially signing on to an hbo max deal to play batman michael keaton and if michael keaton falls out you got christian bale might fill the role and then that leads to a potential terry mcginnis coming into the play so there's a lot of maybes with dc and that's the thing with with their entertainment there's a lot of maybes in the movies primarily there's a lot of maybes where marvel it i'm a sucker for uh, a finely executed and a finely tuned machine and marvel is a very finely tuned machine they had a few hiccups and uh inhumans being a huge one but when you look at their movies versus dc movies i believe the of all of them all the marvel movies i would watch every marvel movie over 90 percent of the dc movies even the worst marvel movies I would watch over some of the the better DC movies, and it, it, it it's frustrating because I think that I absorb a lot of DC con- content. Um, let's start with comics. I know your entire pull list is DC. Majority, probably ninety five percent of it's DC. What's the What's the Marvel series that you're reading currently? Savage Avengers. Okay, uh, so you have one Marvel series versus four or five other DC series. Yeah. And of those six series, five or six series, which one do you gravitate more to? Which one do you think puts out a better content? DC. Yeah, and DC is doing a lot of mini events, and maybe that's what gravitates to, to us as readers. 
a five to six issue run. We finished that new story, new characters. I read Gotham City Monsters, and that had like Orca in it, and Frankenstein, and these are and Jason Blood. Like these are characters that ninety five percent of comic readers aren't going to get interested in. Even Lady Clayface was in it. You know what I mean? Like these are very obscure characters. But I read that before I read Absolute Carnage with DC or with Marvel, and Marvel does a lot of events and a lot of big storylines and a lot of new characters are getting their series but then they also cancel a lot of people uh, i know 85 85 percent of the comics you were reading two years ago were marvel and they all got canceled yeah uh you were reading defenders that got canceled you were reading a luke cage storyline that got canceled everything got canceled and it's because they i guess they don't put as much merit into their comics at marvel uh, you think about it for the longest time, the Fantastic Four and the X Men weren't in the comics. Yeah, and, and that and that was more of a and that was more of a fuck you to Fox, but um, it. But in the end, who who wins that battle? Does does Fox care? Fox isn't putting out content. They're yeah. not putting out comics. They're putting out the movies. And then, like you know, I've the best event that I read from Marvel in the past couple of years was Secret Empire, and. I would put Secret Empire under, you know, metal. Yeah. Um, by far, like to me, that it doesn't. You know, they were probably one of your in the past couple of years. Probably, I know, like you know, the uh, what the Spider Apocalypse or whatever that shit was. Spider Geddon. Spider Geddon. Um, I didn't read that, and then the. The uh, what War of Realms? I read a little bit of that. I didn't like it. That I I actually liked that. I thought that was pretty good. War of the Realms, uh, Absolute Carnage was awesome. Uh, Donny Cates writes a great story. Uh, that's what kept me into reading more Marvel during this quarantine was the Absolute Carnage storyline. Uh, but to your point with Metal, Metal introduced a brand new character that is continuously going to kind of be defined as one of the coolest characters in the two thousands with the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Um, where we'll see him in a movie. Who knows what we're gonna see from from Marvel with their their new characters? I don't. I think they did like Agents of Atlas. That was a cool new storyline. But other than that, I think DC actually actually kills them in in the comics. And I may be biased because that's a lot of what I'm reading. But because of quarantine, I felt like I've actually dived a little deeper into the Marvel storylines, and I've been reading a lot of like the old man storylines, like old reread Old Man Logan. I did old man Hawkeye, old man Quill, dead man Luke, and like there's a lot of there's a lot of repetitiveness. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of Wolverine stories. There's a lot of Deadpool stories. There's a lot of multiple Thor stories, and it's the same with DC doing a lot of Batman storylines. But there's so many different. There's there's like six or seven different Spider-Man comics, and I get confused when I'm reading that as I get confused with the 19 to 20 Batman comics that are going on. There's like Batman Grave, Gotham City Knights, uh, Detective Comics, Batman, Batman and the Outsiders. Like, there's so many going on with DC. But when push comes to shove, I definitely think um, DC takes the comic bracket of your let's go your Mount Rushmore or your Four Horsemen. It definitely takes the the second of the horses. Marvel's one horse, DC one horse. Yep. Animated is not even in the question. No, it's there. One, you know. In the past five years, Marvel really hasn't put any animated stuff. They um, put out that like uh, Avengers Rising, right? That um, it was on Disney XD with the yeah, 
like Quake was in it, Ghost Spider. They do a lot of cartoons. They 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 had a um, Avenger Assemble show on Disney mm-hmm. XD that wasn't bad. It was probably like six years, six seven years ago. That wasn't bad, but um, they don't really put out a lot of animated. And DC just continues to kill animation. Um, yeah, you know not only that. You know, the DC animated movies are great. They have Young Justice, which is a great animated series. Um, yeah, even you can though put Young Justice against any of their uh, any of Marvel shows, and I think Young Justice alone beats what Marvel's putting out. Yeah, and you know, not only you know we're not a big fan of you know Teen Titans Go, but that's a huge draw. Um, yeah. You know, Marvel has nothing out there like that. And, like, yeah, their uprising stuff was geared towards kids and stuff, but, like, you know, Teen Titans Go is a huge, huge animated series for, was for Cartoon Network in DC. So, you know, the animated game, like, that, to me, that you can't really draw a comparison because DC is leaps and bounds better than Marvel. Yeah, I, I agree. I think animated DC or Marvel's putting out, I think they have three. I think they have the Avengers Rising. I think they still have Avengers Assemble and they have a Guardians of the Galaxy series. But that's it. And they're all on Disney uh, XD and Disney Plus. Like when that came out in November of this year, the big draw was like, oh, wait, we have animated Spider-Man. We have the animated uh, X-Men. We have the throwback Spider-Woman stuff. So like they nostalgic. They're huge. Like they're playing on. We have these old IPs. But right now there's there's really not a lot. And I think. They're like, well, people are reading our comics, people are watching our live action shows, and people are watching our movies. Why not? Why move away from that? But I think you are missing a core demographic of the younger kids, where you could do a Teen Titans Go type of series. Um, you could do like get your weird characters, and it doesn't have to be all series, and it also doesn't have to connect to the MCU. I also think a Spider Man animated series would be great, uh, kind of like what we had in the '90s. Uh, but you know, in, in this this day and age, I guess animated films and uh an animated universe really doesn't matter but dc when we talk about it we've reviewed all of their movies for for uh the last five years and we're going to review more we just talked about two on the trailer uh, on on the trailer park so i think the animated series which is probably the dark horse of the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, i think that that is important to us but i don't think in the scheme of things it's important to the the non- yeah. comic book active geek out there but uh i will say two horses dc in this part now tv is where we can kind of be a little uh it can get a little hunky dory not even a little topsy-turvy we'll say um they've put out a lot of content if you look yeah. at it dc has everything on the cw um they have dc tv or dc universe stuff they're going to do the hbo max stuff and they've done krypton and they've done all this stuff and then marvel same thing goes out and does the runaways the inhumans avengers uh agents of shield all the defender stuff uh what else gifted uh cloak and dagger they have like a ton of stuff as far as tv goes who wins this this is probably the most close race that they have is the tv stuff i yes but i think dc wins it okay um if you look at DC stuff, there's a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it lasts. So obviously, people are watching it, and there there's a demographic, and there's money to be made, to where 
Marvel stuff doesn't last. Now, okay. granted, I we can't compare anything yet because I think, you know, their new Marvel TV stuff is going to kill it with WandaVision, Captain, um, or uh, Bucky, or I'm sorry, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Like, I think they're going to, and the Loki series, like, they're going to kill it. But you look at the Marvel stuff, like, two, three seasons and they're done. And, you know, I know a lot of that has to do because of Jeff Loeb. And, you know, um, they kind of got rid of everything Jeff Loeb touched. And the last thing we're seeing, and the longest thing they ever had was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which this season's actually really good. But they're, to me, I just think DC puts out a better property with their TV because they want it less. And... You know, that doesn't make it better, but that shows that a lot of people are watching it and a lot yeah. of people are into it. So, you know, yeah. Arrow lasted, what, seven years. And, you know, you have and all these spinoffs as well. You know, you, the whole CW is completely spun off of Arrow besides, you know, Stargirl, kind of. Um, oh, it's going to be. It's, oh, it's, it's moving to CW. Yeah, it, it's going to be. But... um you know, and the DC, the DC universe stuff, Doom Patrol's super weird, but it's it's fun. Um, I thought Swamp Thing was really good. Didn't last. It's going to come back. You think so? I think so. I think CW is going to revive it. They're losing Supernatural. They don't have anything Supernatural after that. Uh, I think Swamp Thing's going to come back. And that's great because I like Swamp Thing. Um, yeah. But I, I just think... I just think DC edges Marvel out on this um, because they have longevity. Yeah, uh, I think – well, here, longevity, um, abundance, I think that the quantity of DC, they put out a ton of stuff like you said. Uh, but the thing that kind of gave it – like I would take – honestly, I would take the Punisher and Daredevil series over The Flash, over Supergirl, yeah. definitely over Legends. I'd take Iron Fist over Legends, uh, but I would take that over that. Um, the other stuff that wasn't on Netflix, uh, Cloak and Dagger was good. I didn't think that it, it found a, the right home. Uh, Runaways was good, but it came out at Christmas time, so I wasn't really invested. Uh, Inhuman sucked. It was terrible. Yeah. Shields kind of 50-50. Uh, there were a lot of what-ifs with uh, New Warriors and stuff like that. But I think if you get to the point where it comes down to who wins, I'm going to go with DC as well. And it's because of connectivity. I think that that's the big thing, um, for me at least, because I've always talked about how I wanted Marvel TV to connect with the movies, and it never did. Uh, only like a small sample in S.H.I.E.L.D. DC connects with their television to their television. Everything, like Infinite Crisis, or a Crisis on Infinite Earths, showed you that everything works. The 89 Batman works. The the 2020 flash works lucifer's part of it and con they brought back constantine and like all these characters that you don't think are going to work together and they work together and i like that connectivity now some of the shows aren't good and some of the seasons aren't good and i think that that's because they're fighting with warner brothers disney's at or well marvel's at an advantage because they came in and as an as a uh, unknown essentially as a comic company that was going to make movies and they put out these quote-unquote independent movies with iron man and incredible hulk and they were at an advantage because disney came in and bought them uh if dc did this i think disney would have bought dc as well because who wouldn't want to own batman but 
DC is coming in fighting with another studio that really doesn't want to invest the right people, the right time, the right amount of money to make great quality uh, movies and television. So I think Marvel is definitely at an advantage. But DC also came out and said, you know what? We're going to put out a streaming app. There's no Marvel streaming apps. They're nah. umbrellaed with Disney. But DC was like, I'm gonna, we're going to do a, a streaming app where you get comics and where you're going to get movies and you're going to get entertainment. And I think that that's something that goes under the swept under the rug because we're in a streaming culture. And I think that that's probably the least subscribed streaming service. But for what you're getting, for what your money, I think it's amazing. I think that, uh, you know, I'm giving the third horse to DC. So it's three horses to one with DC. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the movies, I think the Marvel movies crush every other horse, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of brought that up earlier because if you look at it you know merchandise sells marvel sells a ton of movie merchandise you're not seeing little kids wear a flash t-shirt from the i've never seen an enchantress t-shirt and 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 that's the thing like you don't you know yes the comics are great from dc the the tv's great the animation's great but what sells is movies because, like I said, you're going to see Iron Man toys. You're going to see Spider-Man toys. You're going to see, you know, MCU merchandise. You're not going to see... Yes, we do we have CW t-shirts? Of course we do. Because that's who we are and we're nerds. But are you going to see the average Joe wear a, you know, um, Black Lightning t-shirt? No, you're yeah. not. You're going to see a little kid dressed up as Black Panther. You're going to see a little kid... Have a black, oh, I have Black Panther pajamas. And, you know, it's merchandise is what makes you money. Of course, the movies and TV and stuff like that. But merchandise is key. And, you know, George Lucas can obtain to that because what he did with Star Wars. But you're not going to see, okay, Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, it might get some DVD sales. Are you going to see a Man of Tomorrow action figure? No. No. You're going to see a Man Maybe of Tomorrow. Maybe the Blu-ray buy-on, but yeah. that's it, not a line. Are you going to see a Man of Tomorrow t-shirt? Probably not. So, you know, yes, out of the four horsemen, DC wins three. But that Marvel horseman that he, they have trumps over everything. Yeah, and, you know, the, the main question, and it kind of turned into a DC first with Marvel, and I don't think that that's how it ever should be because yeah. uh, there's, they both have characters, and if we both have done our, you know, we've done our part by saying we're both fans. And at the end yep. of the day, we are both fans of these. I'm not going to stop reading DC comics, stop no. watching uh, their CW shows, and stop watching their animated stuff because they can't get a cinematic universe together. Yeah. And I think that that's extremely hard. Uh, the only one who's done that is Marvel. They're the only ones who got a cinematic universe together. Uh, DC should make events, and I'm not going to punish Warner Brothers. I'm not going to punish DC for what Warner Brothers is dictating. Uh, so are we doing this DC a disservice as geeks? I think so, uh, because they are out there and they're catering to us. It might may not be our ideal version of what we want to see, but it's still something. And when... Before the MCU, it was DC still co- – like they had our backs with um, Sm- uh, Smallville, which was introducing all the other superheroes that people may not know of. So when Marvel wasn't making series and Iron Man wasn't as popular as he was, DC was still carrying that geek banner. 
Um, Marvel, same thing. I'm not going to punish Marvel for the comics that they're putting out that I'm not reading or the series that have failed like in humans. I'm still going to go see their movies. So at the end of the day, I think as a fan, we do D- we do do DC a disservice. That's a lot of Ds. Uh, but we do that. We do a disservice to them. Uh, and I think we're judging them because of their movies. And I don't think that the, the employees at DC are at fault. I think that the, the right, they have a great writing staff. Yep. Uh, they have a consistent writing staff. Uh, you see everybody wanting to write for them. And same thing with Marvel. But uh, I think that we do judge DC a lot harder because of the success of Marvel and what they were able to do under the Disney umbrella. And if uh, I think if the roles were reversed and if DC came out as a independent film company versus Marvel and Marvel put out Iron Man and DC put out Batman, I think Disney would have went after uh, DC first. Yeah. And I think Warner Brothers would have got uh, got a hold of uh, of Marvel, and I think we the roles would be reversed, and we'd be saying, "Are we doing Marvel a disservice?" But I, I think I knew this wasn't going to turn into an argument because we think alike, yep. and I think hopefully this kind of relayed the message that DC is putting out good quality content, and people should go watch that, especially Star Girl, because I gave it a the Batwoman treatment I thought, uh, but it's my favorite season. Uh, series of any DC television show that's come out besides Lucifer, and uh, that's pretty big. I think it was better. Than, I think it's so far better than Arrow. Uh, it's better than all the other CW stuff. So uh, definitely watch Star Girl. It got renewed for season two, and it's moving to CW. So that's great. But that's our episode, man. We're gonna be back uh, next week with a Marvel episode for the first time uh, uh, since Corona. We've been able to do a Marvel episode, and we're doing the X Men the 20th anniversary of the X-Men film. It's been 20 years since that uh, gem of a movie came out, and we're going to kind of give it a rewatch, but we're going to actually dive into the X-Men and their introduction into the MCU and how we would do it. So we have that, and then uh, next week we'll also uh, announce a uh, special guest that uh, is going to be on the podcast network because uh, I should have said it in the beginning, but I am absolutely glowing because I got confirmation that we are going to have a comic book writer slash author uh, artist on the network um it's gonna be on galaxy wars and active geek whose show is getting um piloted for a series or his comic is getting piloted for a series so uh expect that in the coming weeks so support us on social media the active geek support galaxy wars every monday support chuck chuck underscore the active geek ag cosplay still on instagram so support her as well uh, we'll be back next week again with X-Men. So go back and watch the 20-year-old X-Men movie. See what worked, see what didn't work, and then we can discuss that next week. For the Active Geek Podcast, I'm Jim. I'm Chuck. And we are out.